1: We can confidently and boldly say that because everything he does relates to everything else he does. So nothing going on in your life is God unaware of because everything he does is always working together for your good and his glory. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. That's great. That's great. Your good and his glory everything's working together for good. Point number two, we got to move forward. Jesus is graciously relational in verse five through 10. Look at verse five. Verse five tells us that Jesus came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, or in your Bibles, write it down, Shechem. It was near a plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. So we learned that Jacob had dug a well near Sychar. Listen, people, Jacob dug a well near Sychar that he gave to Joseph. Now, it's interesting because we don't hear anything about that in Genesis. And I think the reason is, again, God is purposeful and intentional in everything. So while Jacob was digging this well, he had no idea he was digging the well for this woman that Jesus would meet years later and have a conversation at that well. So many years earlier, Jesus knew years later that he would need a sermon illustration to teach an outcast woman about new life and freedom in Christ. Again, God is always doing thousands of things that we can't see. So it's hot in our text. And Jesus has been walking and he's tired and he's thirsty. And he grabbed a seat on a well. And just then a woman comes out to draw water. The Bible tells us it was the what hour? Six hour. That's 12 noon. It's the heat of the day. Now watch this, women in those days going out to draw water in the heat of the day was not common. Women in those days would draw water in the morning, in the cool of the day, or at dusk in the cool of the day, but never in the heat of the day. The reason this woman is drawing water in the heat of the day is because she's not one of the girls. She's a social outcast. You'll see the well in Jesus' day, the well was the place where women met the gossip. I mean fellowship, I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know how that slipped out. The place where the women, see, you got to understand something. The well in those days was a place where news was spread. They didn't have MSNBC. They didn't have CNN. They didn't have W R E L. they had the well. Well, this woman wasn't one of the girls. People talked about her. She comes to the well at noon when no proper respectable woman is there. And I'm confident every day her walk to the well is a reminder of her emptiness. See, if you read ahead, listen, look at me. If you read ahead in the story, you'll find out that this woman had five husbands. And this woman uh, was currently living with a man who was not her husband. So this woman is a social outcast. She's not one of the girls. She's been married five times. Five times she's tried to start over. Five times she's tried to build a new life. And now she's given up on marriage and she's living with a man. So Jesus comes to this well. Why? Because he was thirsty and he knew there was a woman there who was also thirsty for a new life. Jesus was thirsty. Listen, you know what that tells us? That tells us that Jesus was human. Uh, I need more than five people to say Amen. He was human; he was thirsty. Jesus was one hundred. I've told you, haven't I? Jesus was one hundred percent man and one hundred percent God. Jesus is God come in human flesh, not a cosmic spirit who didn't leave footprints in the sand like the Gnostics taught. Jesus was tired, emotionally, physically, wearied. Jesus got hungry. And Hebrews tells us, we have a high priest who was in all points touched with our infirmities, yet without sin. Jesus understands temptation. Jesus understands hunger. Jesus understands thirst. So Jesus is weary and he took a seat on the well. The woman comes out to draw water and Jesus said, give me to drink. Now we can learn something about Jesus here we can see that Jesus steps into our daily routine. Are you glad about it? Jesus steps into the monotony of our daily routine because the monotony of our daily routine is important to Jesus. For this woman, it was pretty monotonous to go get water. Jesus sits down and he says to the woman, give me a drink. Now this woman, listen, is genuinely shocked. Why? Because she's got a double whammy against her. Was that? Number one, she's a woman. And number two, she's a Samaritan. Samaritans' names were only pronounced if you were using a swear word. The Pharisees would pray that no Samaritan be raised in the resurrection. It is said that you would be better off eating the flesh of a pig than to eat with Samaritans. Secondly, she was a woman, a Samaritan woman. That's a double whammy. The rabbis taught a Jew shouldn't talk to a woman in public you wouldn't talk to your wife in public. If you saw her walking down the street, you wouldn't say, hey honey, you would ignore her. You wouldn't talk to your mother or your daughter in public. There was a sect of the Jews that was so religious, when a woman came around, they walked with their eyes closed. They were called the bump and stumble Jews. True, I'm not making this up. So this woman is really shocked. And she says, why are you talking to me? I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan. And Jesus looked at her and said, would you give me a drink of water? Now keep in mind, saints, look, listen to me. Keep in mind, this woman does not, does not know Jesus. She does not know Jesus is God. This woman knew men. This woman was quite familiar with men and game, Pastor Rodney, thank you for keeping it real. (laughs) This woman, she didn't know she was talking to God. She didn't know she was talking to Jesus. So Jesus walks up on her and Jesus says, hey, woman, give me something to drink. And, 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 And she's probably thinking, you know, that's the worst pickup line I ever heard in my life. Give me something to drink. Oh, my corny. You know, give me something to drink. She, I mean, what is she thinking? She said, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritan saints. Look at verse 10. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She's probably thinking, man, he is landed on thick now. <laughs> oh, now he's a gift of God. Oh, I see. He probably says that to all the girls. He, oh, yeah, baby, I am God's gifted woman. I mean, th- keep in mind, this woman, she does not know he is God. So in her mind, she's thinking he's just trying to run something on her, trying to get her digits. <laughs> Y'all ain't know I knew that, did you? That's one for me. Now, listen, there's a play on words here when Jesus says living water, because living water... You got your pen? Living water, bubbling water, running water was rare in those days. A well or a cistern was everywhere. If you've been to Israel with us, you know these huge cisterns at Masada. When you look into a well or a cistern, there was stuff floating around. You probably get all your four, four food groups in, in the water. <laughs> Proteins and green stuff and but running water or a fountain or something bubbling up was a premium. And obviously this well of Jacob had a deep source of bubbling water and living water. It was called the gift of God. Like today, you might have children in a lemonade stand and they're like, buy some lemonade. Mister, you want a cup of lemonade? And 25 cents for some lemonade, get your lemonade here. Well, in Jesus' day, they would be selling the gift of God. Hey, stop and buy the gift of God. The gift of God, the gift of God was running water. Jesus said, if you would have known the gift of God and who it is that says to you to give me a drink, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. Jesus is saying, you don't know the gift and you don't know the gift giver. Now, the thing that I want you to notice today, listen, Today and when you come back next week, I want you to notice how Jesus lovingly and gently and might please hear me lovingly and gently and graciously leading this woman through a process. And the process is intended to bring her to a saving knowledge of the Messiah. Notice up until verse 14, and that's my text today. We'll come back next week. But up until verse 14, not once yet has Jesus mentioned this woman's sin. Not once has Jesus slammed her with the Bible and Bible verses. Not once did Jesus say, hey, let's stop and pray and you can repent of those five husbands and the man you live in shacking up with is not your husband. You need to repent. Not once, Christians, if you want people to come to know Jesus, then we got to stop hitting them with the Bible the first four minutes of introduction. I'm going to wait while somebody clap your hands and say amen there. That's true. You got to stop. You want to do what Jesus did? Then stop beating folk up with the Bible. How about talking to people? How about meeting people where they're at? How about loving on people and just meeting them and greeting them and loving on them? And, and you don't have to always, well, John 3, 16 says, oh, for God to love the world. Then he gave us on First John 4, 7 and 8, for God is love, love and love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. And he that loves not is not born of God, God does love. And oh, by the way, it says right here that uh, if you don't know God, then you're going to hell. There it is right there. There's hell. Hell right there. You're turning people off. And that's religious. Amen. That's rel. How about meeting folk where they are? You want to do what Jesus did? Meet folk where they are. Write that down. Meet folk where they are. I'm going to wait while you clap better than that. I think you should. Jesus had a way of reaching people right where they were. He talked to Nicodemus about being born again. Nicodemus was a high religious guy, Pharisee, knows the law, all that stuff. And Jesus said, great, but you must be born again. The woman at the well had come to draw water, uh, and, and Jesus talked to her about the living water. The blind man, talking about meeting people where they are, the blind man, uh, Jesus talked to him about the, he being the light of the world. Mary and Martha, after the death of Lazarus, he talked to them about being the resurrection and the life. Peter and John, while they were fishing, he said, I'll make you fish fissures of men. Notice the process. Jesus is just leading. Are y'all getting this? He's just leading this woman on. And you can actually see that in the verbiage. She says, sir. She starts her conversation off with sir. And then I'm getting ahead of myself. In 19, she says, I perceive you are a prophet. And then she gets down to verse 25 and she says, oh, you must be the Messiah. Sir, prophet, Messiah. Ding, 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 ding. And this woman, we find her in Acts chapter 8. She's going out to evangelize all of her hometown, Samaria. And she, by the way, is the first evangelist in the Bible. All because Jesus loved her where she was. Leave folk alone. Leave folk alone. Just love them where they are. And talk to them. Don't talk at them. And you don't have to point out people's sin. Trust me, people know what sin they're in. You don't have to tell them that. You don't tell them the sinner. They know that. Tell them something they don't know. you talking about their sin. They're like, yeah, uh-uh, I know that. How about tell me something I don't know? Like God loves you right where you are and he wants you in heaven. Yeah, I don't know. The process and what Jesus did. He 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 set the whole scene up. He set the whole scene up. First, he went through Samaria. Second, he sent his disciples to buy food, maybe touched by Samaritans. Third, he sat on a well to be fully in view and unavoidable. Fourth, he asked a woman that he knew was unclean and pure, heretical, for a drink. He didn't ask for permission to get a drink. He asked for a drink from her bucket Jesus is pursuing an unacceptable relationship because he wants her in heaven. Are y'all getting that? Jesus is breaking every social taboo. He was alone with a woman in Samaria. He sat on the well. He spoke and didn't remain silent. He spoke to a Samaritan. He spoke to a woman. He spoke to an adulteress. He asked for a drink from her bucket. And I think the church would do itself a wonderful service if we would take some notes from Jesus and realize that God wants everybody in heaven. I'm waiting while you clap your hands here. God wants everybody in heaven. God wants the prostitute walking the street to be walking the streets of gold in heaven. God wants the guy selling crack to make it to heaven. God wants people with broken and empty lives in heaven. God wants the woman who's had five husbands and she's looking for love in all the wrong places. God wants her in heaven. God sent not, remember, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. Jesus, number three, finally, I'm coming in, is graciously superior. Verse 11 through 14. Jesus has had and no more to say about the wall of Samaritans than the Jews. He smashed that wall with his behavior. And now Jesus is on to important things. Jesus asked for water. And the woman said, sir, you have verse 11. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where will you get that living water? And, and this woman, she really doesn't get it. And she's just like Nicodemus. She didn't, he didn't get it. Remember, Jesus said, Nick, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, what? Am I supposed to crawl back up under my mom's wound and come back out again? She's like, nine, 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 oi, babe. <laughs> Nick, you're not getting it. And Jesus asked for water, and this woman, she's not getting it. And she's thinking about what Jesus said in the natural. She says, where's your bucket? She's thinking about the water at the bottom of the well that's bubbling up. Now, I believe she senses a claim of superiority. So she says in verse 12, are you greater than our father, Jacob? Our father, that tells us that this woman with five husbands and living with a man and a Samaritan and a social outcast, she has some knowledge of God. And maybe deep down inside, she's very spiritual. But you might look at her and think, oh, she can't be spiritual. She got five husbands. She's living with a man. She ain't spiritual. In fact, maybe she is Spiritual. Maybe maybe somewhere deep down inside, she, she does want to love God, but she doesn't get it. Because everybody's telling her all this crazy stuff, and it's confusing to her. We find out later in the story when she's saying, like, well, I don't know about all this worship stuff. People are saying we worship here, we worship there. I have no idea what we're talking about. Some say worship in that mountain, and some say worship in that mountain. Jesus said, forget about it. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said. And so I get the impression this woman is, I get the impression, and I'm just kind of getting behind the story here, that this woman is spiritual. She wants to know our father, Jacob. Our father. And think about what Jesus could have said. He could have said, you don't know the half of it. I can out-wrestle Jacob. (laughs) He could have said, listen, lady, Jacob sleeps at the bottom of my stairs. Jesus could have said, sweetie, you know Jacob's well. I know Jacob well. (laughs) He could have said that. Jesus says, yes, I'm greater and superior to Jacob and my gift is superior to Jacob and my water is superior to Jacob's and my well is superior to Jacob's and my sons and my daughters are superior to Jacob's because they never die. Look at verse 13 and 14. Jesus moves this woman from drinking to thirst. Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water, and I gotta believe he's pointing because that's like a normal body function behavior, like pointing. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, pointing to the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus moves a woman from can I have a drink to thirst. The word drink in the Greek is in the present participle. It means continually drinks. Whosoever continually drinks of this natural water will thirst again. Jesus said, whosoever continually drinks of this well this woman continually drank of the wells of the world, five husbands, one man she's living with that she's not married to. She's still thirsty. Jesus is saying, as a matter of fact, yes, I'm greater than Jacob. Because if you continue to drink Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink the water that I give, it will be in you, you a fountain bubbling up of living water, springing up unto eternal life. Jesus hasn't said it yet, but he's wearing her down. Are you getting this? He's wearing her down. He's saying, sweetie, you're here every day at noon and you're still thirsty. Jesus says, I'm going to give you something that will change you internally because what we drink or what we take in externally doesn't satisfy you and you'll thirst again say amen and business deal thirst again promotion thirst again new car thirst again good movie thirst again drugs thirst again, money, thirst again, relationships, thirst again, earthly love, thirst again. There's nothing in this life that satisfies the deep longing inside the heart of man. There was a theologian by the name of Pink, and he said, the seat of the thirst within man lies too deep for the waters of the earth to quench. Somebody once said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator made known through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, If you drink from the water Jesus gives, you'll never thirst again. The water that Jesus gives will become a fountain in him. In other words, there's nothing new on the outside, but there's something new on the inside, something you've never experienced before. Now, let me close right here with contrasting John chapter 3. Y'all still with me? Are y'all you going yet? Okay. John chapter 3. I'm going to contrast John chapter 3 and John chapter 4. Obviously, John chapter three, we talked about Nicodemus. In John chapter four, we have the woman at the well. Nicodemus was a Jew. The woman, a Samaritan. Nicodemus, respected, a religious leader. Uh, The woman was a social outcast. Uh, Again, Nicodemus is a respected religious leader. This woman is a immoral, unnamed woman. Nicodemus is a cool contemplator. The woman, a hot debater. She responds seven times to Jesus. Jesus speaks in the cool of the night to Nicodemus. Jesus is speaking in the heat of the day to the woman. John chapter three, Nicodemus begins a conversation. John chapter four with the woman, Jesus begins the conversation. Nicodemus fades out of the story and the woman goes out and evangelizes her city Nicodemus represents the truth that no one is above the need for the gospel. And the Samaritan woman represents the truth that no one is too low to be noticed by Jesus. Isn't that great? That's just great. And it's interesting because what we have here is opposites with common ground. What's that? Their need for Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Am I right about it? Everybody needs Jesus. Well, Jesus said, I'm going to give you water that you'll never thirst again. And the woman is thinking Jesus is talking about natural water. Well, then in verse 15, you read in your own time, Jesus said, uh, the woman said to Jesus, I would love not to have to come here every day at noon with a stone jar and hide my face. If you could do that, that'd be great because this bucket is heavy. And I'm going to leave you right there on the cliffhanger. What will it take to break through to her? Jesus, will he give up on her? Will she? know? you know that. Will, 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 will she give Jesus a drink of water? You got to come back next week. I'll tell you more.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Carry